Welcome to episode number four of the Crypto Chip Podcast, your inside resource for understanding the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the number one crypto chick, Rachel Wolfson. The topic for today's show focuses on autonomous digital currency and how this can solve the issue of blockchain governance. Today, I'm speaking with Marco and Clarissa Paraboom of Decred to learn more about the idea behind autonomous cryptocurrency and how an economy can be created where users are able to control their own digital currency. It almost sounds too good to be true, but it's really not. I know the suspense is probably killing you, so let's jump right into the interview with Marco and Clarissa. Enjoy. Today, I'm here with two very special guests. I'm here with one of the founders of Decred and the marketing lead of Decred, Marco and Clarissa Paraboom. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having us. Hi. Thank you. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Correctly enough. <laughs> okay, wonderful. And, and you know, just for our listeners to know, you know, you, you, you guys have the same last name because you're a couple, right? <laughs> yes, we are married. Okay, wonderful. I didn't want them to be confused. <laughs> so, so uh, Marco and Clarissa, tell us a little bit about Decred and what you guys are doing to innovate in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. We have been working on Bitcoin for quite a while before we switched into Decred. So we felt that there was a need to have a form of governance where stakeholders also get to make decisions uh, in cryptocurrency. So, uh, so that's where we actually came from, from an old Bitcoin development stuff. Uh, sorry, all Bitcoin development uh, environment. And then we pivoted into Decred and we built something from scratch. Wonderful. So what exactly is Decred? So Decred is an is a autonomous uh, cryptocurrency. We are trying to basically be, get to a point where we can have stakeholders make all the decisions on the network. So where we spend money, what we develop, where we are going strategy-wise, that's the idea. So we're creating our own little economy where we are working towards a, a future where uh, we control our own money. Right. And I mean, I guess, you know, that's the real point of cryptocurrency, but we're kind of seeing a lot of interferences right now. Uh, what do you mean by interferences? Uh, I mean, I guess we're seeing a lot of regulations and this and that coming in. And so I guess it's become more of a space where we aren't really as in control as we should be. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And actually, that is entirely the point of Decred. So what we tried to set out to uh, to do with Decred was to make it a non-attackable uh, network. Okay. So currently, we have, for example, a treasury and a government could show up and make make us give that up, right? So and in, in where we're heading with Decred, and we're almost there, is that the, even the treasury funds are going to be handled completely by a smart contract. And then therefore, the government could go after individuals, but not after the network. So it could not be stomped out. So I mean, obviously, right now, one of the hot topics is governance. You know, what is Decred doing differently that other cryptocurrencies aren't? What's unique about it? So what's unique about it is first that Decred is at all levels. So we have a change mechanism uh, at the very bottom uh, that can handle with complex questions like, do we want to make the blockchain, the block size bigger, for example? Mm -hmm. So we can do, do on-chain governance for big questions. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we also cover uh, smaller questions, but also important questions like, where do we spend money? What are we going to spend money on to develop something? 
So, and with that, we have we we basically covered a gambit of all the uh, the, the things that require governance. Other projects typically only operate in in one or a portion of these areas. Does that make sense? It does. But so what areas actually require governance in this space? It's a two-tiered approach, actually. So basically, on one hand, you have governance with our, and correct me if I'm wrong, technically, Marco. Basically, it's the way we do our proof-of-stake, proof-of-work hybrid system in that basically we can make big decisions Um, On chain, basically, once those decisions have been made by our stakeholders, then basically that's the way we go and there aren't any possibilities for forks. And then we have our second tier, which is actually our new proposal system, Politea, which is off chain. Mm -hmm. So in in the, the proposal system is where you propose something. So you basically say, hey, I'm going to write you this particular feature. And it's going to cost you this amount of decrets to, to write that. Mm-hmm. So that portion of governance is treasury governance, right? And, and fund dispersal. Whereas the other pillar of governance is making large uh, protocol and consensus changes that require a, a large portion of the network to agree. So, and what Clarissa was actually alluding to is, is critical to this whole system. That is that we are fork resistant. So, and that has exactly to do with the proof of work, proof of stake hybridization that we did. So once a decision has been made, the non-desirable uh, fork is going to die off immediately. So you don't splinter the community. Mm-hmm. I see. And so has this has this been something that's been happening um, that's been affecting different cryptocurrencies? Well, I think probably the most famous example is Bitcoin Cash, okay. where an angry stakeholder decided, I don't like this anymore. And I'm going to basically fork off of uh, Bitcoin and uh, do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there was an avalanche of uh, new Bitcoins that have been created. So I think at this point, every metal and every color and every precious stone has been used up. Mm-hmm. You, have, you know, a Bitcoin gold, blue, yellow, etc. And um, and that is, in my opinion, unhealthy for the for the networks. Right. Yeah, definitely. So I'm reading an article here, and it's saying that Decred is essentially Bitcoin with governance. Um, it has the same coin supply as Bitcoin, but what differentiates it? So could you explain what differentiates uh, Decred from Bitcoin? Well, it's the governance that Marco has been speaking about. It's the ability to make decisions in, in a, a logical, democratic way and efficient way so that you don't have people screaming on Twitter. And um, I think it all goes back to the word governance. It means different things to different people. Um, But basically, it's the way in which you make decisions and move your chain forward. And I think when Marco was talking about with Bcash and so forth, the miners and the developers basically had most of the power there. And they got to make all the decisions after yelling at each other over Twitter or other means. Mm -hmm. And so what this allows us to do with governance, we like to call it smart governance, actually, is it's. Basically, our decision making is integrated into our blockchain, mm-hmm. and then we actually will reward our our folks, our stakeholders um, who participate mm-hmm. in in our our governance model. So, I think that's the really big thing about it. So, it becomes truly autonomous and a truly decentralized um, currency. And as Marco had mentioned earlier, you know, we are we basically have our own ecosystem. That is not dependent on 
third parties or anyone else to bail us out. And since we are fork resistant, um, when we make a decision, um, basically that's the decision we go into and we don't have issues with other forms of decred popping up like you would see in Monero and Bitcoin and some of the other projects that are out there. Right. So in, let me add one thing to that. What this actually gives you, if you want, if you boil all the complexity away from it, this gives you longevity. So the ability to make hard decisions uh, allows us to future-proof the network. Mm-hmm. So we we don't know what's going to happen in technology, you know, next year. Let you know, let's not even talk about five, ten, twenty years from now. So by having the mechanism to make tough decisions, that allows us to, uh, you know, it gives us longevity. So we we are one of the very few, if not the only cryptocurrency that is likely to be around in 10, 20, 30, you know, even 100 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's a really bold statement. So I'm just wondering, do you have any, are there any other autonomous cryptocurrencies out there or do you have any competitors? I mean, so it would be fair to say that that there's definitely some other projects out there that do big things and have big claims. So for example, Dash uh, does uh, governance as well. So they do it differently though. So what they do is they um, they focus on the proposal system. They do not have, however, the big mechanism to make changes to consensus in protocol. Mm-hmm. I see. So, and, and again, that is the one that's going to future-proof you. And, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about decentralized. So what are your thoughts on decentralized exchanges? A lot of the decentralized exchange talk that is going around is really not that decentralized. So what they basically do is they put a token in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. And, and with, by doing that, they're essentially re-centralizing the whole thing again. So what they're, and it makes sense though, right? Because they're trying to be a business and therefore they need to make money and therefore they need to be centralized. That's just inherent to, to the model. So what Decred actually has proposed to go do is do a true decentralized exchange where the custody of the funds always remains with the um with mm-hmm. the owner. So you never send your coins to an exchange to, to actually perform the exchange. We do that with a technology called atomic swaps. And what those are, those are basically a smart contract that go on the chains that you want to exchange with. So let's say I want to exchange Litecoin for Decred with you, mm-hmm. right? So we both put up a little smart contract using a, a tool. And if everybody plays by the rules, then there is an escrowless uh, exchange of funds without anybody having a risk of losing their funds uh, outside of that contract. I see. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's funny because I'm writing an article right now about why centralized exchanges, specifically the large ones, make awful custody holders. So I'm sure you can elaborate on that, but it will be up um, next week, this article. Okay. Yeah. No, this is a big story, though. So so the, the decentralized exchange needs to happen in a way that is not monetizable. And and that is obviously not a not a topic that a lot of these exchanges want to hear, but that is actually one of the things that the Decred folks are yeah. building is one where you can connect users directly, like 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 literally like Bitcoin or Decred, where you can you and I decide what the parameters are for our exchange and then we execute those parameters without a third party. So it's P to P. Right, yeah. Because you basically have cut out the middleman and you don't have any exchange fees or other fees that you need to incur when you actually swap and exchange currencies. Right. You know, I wasn't in the space 10 years ago. I've, I've been writing about it for two years. But 
you know, this is the way I feel like cryptocurrency was intended, like completely peer to peer. And now you see what's going on today. And there's so there's a lot of middlemen actually involved. Yeah. So in, in my opinion, and this is where it may become a little religious, but I think it's actually a lot of these uh, folks have actually lost track in sight of what was actually the intention of the whole thing. So by adding a token in the middle of anything, uh, and then you centralized who controls that token, you've kind of lost, you know, the 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 original idea. You, and I'm not sure you're helping at that point. Right. So yeah, I, I have some uh, unpopular opinions when it comes to to these kinds of things. I, I, I what we are trying to do in Decred is disintermediation and uh, getting rid of, rid of rent seekers, right? So people that sit in the middle that determine or you know take a fee of the things that I do and want. Right. No, I think it's really important that we have these models in place because right now, like I said, we're seeing a lot of middlemen enter this space and it's really taking away the whole idea that cryptocurrency and blockchain technology was built around. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. I'm just trying to think about uh, what else, what what else do you guys (laughs) want to talk about? Do you have any upcoming um, announcements or what else are you finding interesting that we should discuss? Some of the things they have going on right now is uh, they just came out with Politea, which was the tier two proposal system that Marco was talking about earlier. Basically, that has gone live, which is a really big deal for us because it is basically keeping true to the message that Satoshi and some other folks wanted originally when they did create Bitcoin, which is disintermediation of the system and having an autonomous, um, for us, having an autonomous currency. Um, where there are no third party folks that can come in and have, you know, uh, basically have to bail you out or, or have a say in how, how you do your, your project. So that's, that's the really big deal. And voting just started on that yesterday, as a matter of fact. And so, um, the big announcement for us is, you know, we get to see how well our stakeholders, um, because we, we are basically turning over our treasury funds, which is about a little over $27 million to our stakeholders to decide what they want to do with the funds and to um, also help, you know, like Marco was talking about, give us a future and so forth and give us longevity. Well, that treasury fund is supposed to uh, help us um, continue uh, into the future. And so that's a really big deal. And, you know, there's a lot of people who say that, you know, when you give into these treasury models like that, that things can go wrong because it becomes sort of a popularity system instead. And, um, with this first vote, once the first vote is done, you know, we'll be able to see, is it really a popularity contest or is it really intelligent stakeholders, you know, a smart community? coming together and making those big decisions to that get integrated into our blockchain. So that's going to be really huge for us. Um, the other thing is uh, the guys are working on a lot of things that other companies and other projects um, market first, um, but don't have the working technology to get there to. Lots of big things coming up for us. Um, we have a lot of other things such as um, our DEX, our uh, decentralized exchange that Decred is, um, it's not come up for proposal yet, but it is an idea that um, folks in Decred are working on because we have our atomic swaps. It's something that will hopefully come to fruition because 
we want to go back to the whole idea of Bitcoin, which was that peer-to-peer exchange. And so um, with uh, integrating all our atomic swaps and Decred is actually the repository for atomic swaps. They, these guys wrote the code for the tools to create atomic swaps and they did the first atomic swaps with Litecoin. And so every project that you see out there that now does atomic swaps, like you even have an atomic swap wallet, um, those guys all got it from Decred, which is incredibly awesome. And um, we are so excited to be a part of that. You know, for us, the future... We, we want to get to, to the decentralized um, exchange, so to speak, so that way we can go back to that, that uh, initial reason for creating Bitcoin and Decred, which is peer-to-peer exchange and disinter- disintermediation of the system. Right. I mean, I think it's interesting, Clarissa. I actually had no idea that Decred was one of the early innovators of atomic swaps. Yes, yes. Yeah, we wrote the code. And whenever a new project wants to get added, they actually show up with codes to our repositories and then it gets merged. Wow, that's amazing. When did that when did that um idea or when did atomic swaps uh come about again? So I wanna say it was about a year ago, uh and we did it live with Charlie Lee and it was being tweeted about and all that. But basically the the way that works is is you and I agree on a price. Um, and then we basically encode that in a smart contract. And, and, it, and it's, both sides need to make the exact same contract, and that's what makes it work. So if somebody tries to game it, then the contract is not going to execute and everybody gets their funds back. Mm-hmm. I see. I mean, that's interesting because now, like I was telling you, I'm writing this article on why centralized exchanges make terrible custody holders. And one of the reasons is like just because these exchanges are very prone to hacks. And so if you've got your your digital assets in one of these exchanges, if they get hacked, you lose everything and then you're screwed. You don't get it back. So are you, I guess, decentralized exchanges might be kind of a solution to this problem or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's really two answers to that. So there's there's going to be folks that are going to require the handholding that comes with uh, centralized exchanges. So they're not going to go away. But then there's a group of folks like like me uh, and like you know, people in, in, that really want to uh, change the system, we are willing to be our own bank and therefore uh, have full custody of our funds. And we just want to get out of the game with these exchanges, right? We are just li- literally trying to change the system and add something to it. And it's not just about the fees and them getting hacked. It's also about bad actors coming in and acting as exchanges um, you had one recently, I forget the name of the exchange, but they basically came in, took money um, as an exchange, and then basically said bye-bye to all their customers and said, yeah, we're not in business anymore, and took off with everyone's money. Um, so um, it's it's a way to get rid of those bad actors and you know take responsibility and possession of your own money, make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, on your own and not have to pay a middleman or, you know, go through those sorts of scams and and other things that could occur, um, like you're talking about with your exchanges getting hacked and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a scary thought. I want to be the custodian of my funds at all times. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I I think that is a very good point you're making. But like Clarissa was saying, some people require handholding, especially these, uh, now that institutional investors are getting involved, like we need these solutions. Like, I mean, I would say that BitGo is a great solution, but then again, BitGo isn't um, an exchange. It's not a centralized exchange. 
Right. But it's a good custody solution, in my opinion. Well, so so the thing about custody solutions, though, and, and let's let's be uh, clear and frank here, though, right? So um, large institutions are going to require these services, the ends, right? Because there's regulations in place that need to be uh, dealt with, and that is a reality. And and that I am I'm, again, I'm not railing against that. I, I understand and I agree that that needs to happen. But me as the person, Marco, uh, I want to be the custodian of my own funds at all right. times, right? So it's uh, there's there's different gradations here. I think his feelings go back to the way it was in the beginning, which was that you had entities such as these large banks who acted as custodial solutions, you know, in the fiat world and basically would come in and uh, they could freeze your funds. The government could come in and freeze your funds. Um, and you basically had no control over your, your, your monies. You couldn't send it um, overseas to certain people. Um, you know, they had all these restrictions and so forth. And so, you know, it's kind of the reason why Bitcoin came about was that, you know, you were the custodian of your own funds. You had a say in, in where your money went to and how it was dealt with. And so um, it kind of goes back to that in regards to the decentralized exchange where, you know, you have you are the custodian of your funds. You make all the decisions for your funding. And it just kind of gives you that freedom that they originally wanted when they created Bitcoin. Right. Agreed. And I mean, you know, back to the whole security issue, I feel like decentralized exchanges provide a bit more security than centralized exchanges. Well, so if you, if you just want to rewind to Mt. Gox, which was, you know, a pretty terrible thing, right? There, there was so much money lost over such a long period of time. It was just, it went on undetected. And a lot of people lost their shirt in that episode. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, and, and, you know, I know a lot of people that are really, you know, they're very for decentralized exchanges and, you know, maybe we're really going to start to see this shift in the future where more people are starting to look towards decentralized exchanges versus the the large centralized ones. Well, absolutely. I actually completely believe that uh, the tools are going to become increasingly simpler and more user-friendly. So, so we are going to expand the pool of folks that can actually play this game. So I think it's only going to get better in time. So this could be a silly question. What uh, exchange is Decred listed on? Is that a silly question? Uh, no. No, it's not no. a silly question. We're, we're, I think we're listed on like 35 exchanges at this point, um, So, it, we, including all the big ones. Um, I, I do have some fun facts about that if you want to talk about that. So, for example, Decred got listed on Binance. And uh, as far as I know, we are the only ones or one of the few that have not pay any, paid any of the extortion fees that typically go uh, with mm. that. Exchange but why? Well, so these exchanges basically charge a pretty exorbitant amount of money to be listed, right? Because right? the way they look at it is like, uh, you're making money off our back. And the way Decred looked at it is like, um, you're making off our back, right? So, and it was a bit of a stalemate. And we just didn't pay. We just did not play along. And the market forced them to list us, basically. Wow. That's interesting. So, okay. Or, I, wonder if, I wonder if that's been the case with other cryptocurrencies. That's really interesting to hear. Well, so there's obviously the really large ones that were inevitable, right? So Bitcoin, Ethereum, those guys, they were listed because they had to. That's, that's how they started. But uh, the smaller currencies all have had the same conversation with Binance, whereas, hey, you got to pay this fee to be listed or we're just not going to do it. Not just Binance, most of the exchanges. Sure, that's, that's, that's true across the board. Right, wow. That's very interesting. Good to know. Yeah, so, so Decred has been growing, obviously, uh, 
well. And even though we are in a bear market and the, the prices have all gone down, Decred has not gone down as far as um, you know a, a lot of the, the the other tokens and coins that are out there. Yeah, well, that's good to know. So I'm guessing because Marco, you said earlier that a lot of these cryptocurrencies are going to disappear, but I'm assuming that you think that Bitcoin is going to not disappear as well, right? <laughs> I don't think so. So Bitcoin obviously solved the problem in a very elegant way. Um, and even though I work on an altcoin, let's get out of the way that I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really changed the way uh, we look at money. Right. And it's actually had a pretty large cultural cultural shift. So it's, it's, a, it's a very important development. So, But it, it would be silly to not uh, think that it could be improved upon. So th- this is why I'm, I'm not a maximalist, but a huge fan. So, so that said, I do think that there are some cryptocurrencies that are going to be around, and Bitcoin being, you know, the 800-pound gorilla is going to be one of them. So, but if honestly, if I would look at the top 10 or the top 50, uh, I, I would be hard-pressed to find five of them that I think that will make the cut. Right. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Also, it was very interesting. I was reading about Decred, and you guys never did an ICO, correct? We did not. That is correct. Yeah, they actually, um, Company Zero came in and uh, actually funded the start of Decred. When they were creating the models and everything, they went ahead and created a system in which uh, 60% of our uh, mining reward goes to our miners, 30% goes to our stakeholders, um, and then 10% goes into a tre- this treasury fund that we're releasing to our stakeholders. And um, with that, it keeps us totally anonymous and, again, not reliant on third parties to come in and bail us out or have to raise any funds for because we are self-sufficient. Well, but, but I think, though, that Rachel was asking about bootstrapping. So the way we bootstrap Decred is Company Zero uh, had a lot of folks on, um, on staff that work on, on Bitcoin. And those folks then started working on Decred, and we uh, we were self-funded at the time. So when we launched, we did pre-mine 8% of the whole thing. 4% was airdropped to the community, and 4% was uh, given to Company Zero to pay for the development that had happened. So but that actually, those numbers in all those Decred were given away before Decred even had any value, right? So we would not, we had no idea if we were actually going to make our money back at that point. Yeah. Well, I think that's wonderful because I don't know if you guys know or if the listeners know, I'm very against ICOs and I've kind of made that clear and I will never write about an ICO. So I think it's awesome that you guys didn't do an ICO. Um, so that's great. <laughs> well, so we started hacking before that word even existed. But there was no such thing as an ICO. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, in my opinion, I mean, well, maybe I shouldn't get into it. Never mind. But I, I <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. But I think it's really great that you guys did not do an ICO. Um, I think it looks really, it, it looks better. But then again, you know, everyone has their own opinion. So. Right. Well, so I actually, I do want to say one thing. So I am not, not anti-ICO uh, because what ICOs did do is that they democratized uh, fundraising. And in, in uh, I love that, right? Because that's a disintermediation. So what, unfortunately, what happened, though, is, is it turned basically into a scam-enabling operation. And that is where it went off the rails. But the idea itself, I, I, I loved. It just it didn't end well. 
Yeah. Well, you know what, Marco, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I do agree with you. And, you know, as a journalist in the space, to write about an ICO in this day and age is very, very iffy because you never know, like, who's legit, who's not. So I think that's part of my reason why I'm so against it, because I'm just like, you know, is this is this legit or not? Right. right. Well, I think there's some, something more to it, though, is it? And again, that that comes down to the fact that a lot of these things are just nonsense, right? Bananas on the on the on the blockchain. It's actually a project that exists. Oh, really? Um, you know, I'm going to go out there and say that I do not need to keep track of my bananas on the blockchain. That is that is not a, you know, that is not a need for me. Yeah. No, the issue I take with it, I actually agree with you, Rachel. I I I, I like the idea of what the ICOs were supposed to be doing to bring new ideas to the blockchain. But I really hate that there were people out there who were basically just about the fundraising. And they're like, we raised $28 million in two days. And there's nothing to show for it. They have no code. They have no goals. They have no real working project. And they have all this marketing and they're paying for $150,000 booths at conferences and they have nothing else to show for it. And so, you know, in the next, they keep saying, oh, it's, we're coming out with stuff in the next five years, or we're coming out with stuff in the next seven years. They're going to have absolutely nothing to show for it. Yeah. And um, it goes back to those scams. It's, it's basically, let's see how far we can go and let's see how many Lambos we can buy with someone else's money. Exactly. Um, I, I agree with you. And also on that note, I go to many conferences and I will say, um, you know, I go to some of these conferences and you see these people doing their quote unquote ICOs and they don't have a white paper. They don't have a product yet. They have a Lambo, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> but at the Texas Bitcoin conference where we, uh, met again, because we had previously met at, met at South by Southwest in Austin, this, this was such a legit conference. And when I say legit, I just mean that the people there were so professional. You didn't have these like kids running around without, you know, a product or a white paper. I mean, I was so impressed with the quality of people at the Texas Bitcoin conference. It was a smaller conference, yes, but it was so high quality. So I just want to say that. And the sessions were about real issues that are going on in the industry right now. And I absolutely love that about Texas Bitcoin conference. Um, Linda Snow is the organizer of that. And she does a fantastic job getting good quality people in there to talk about real issues and real things that the industry is facing and things that need to be resolved in the industry. And I love that about them. Well, I, I want to add, though, that uh, I am uninterested to go to a conference where there's not high quality, because if, if you do not have high quality content, you're not going to have a high quality crowd. I am just not interested anymore in you know, just talking to people that are there to make a quick buck and uh, get rich schemes and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't want to play in that. I don't want to get in that pool. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and as a journalist in the space, like with all the conferences I get invited to, I'm really having to do my research because a lot of them are just a waste of time. So, yeah, they you've are. got to be careful. They are. Actually, when the ICOs were at their highest before the SEC stepped in, I used to actually say that ICO, that conferences were the new ICOs because you had people coming into the space saying, we're going to have the biggest and best conference ever. And uh, they had no quality content. Everything was fluff. And it was all about the after parties and who had the Lambos and the parade of Lambos. 
And um, it was just, it was really, really sad for a while. And you really had to do your homework. And even when you did your homework, um, you had folks who were making a scam of the conferences and they would say certain people were coming to the conference and those people hadn't even been asked. And it was big name people in crypto and the blockchain sphere. And those people were like, uh, we, we were never even asked. Um, nobody even approached us. And so you really had to be careful about, you know, who you were doing business with and where you were going, because oftentimes a lot of people um, would find out that, yeah, there, there was actually nobody there except for someone trying to sell you investment services. So, right. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I mean, that's definitely something that everyone should be aware of in the crypto and blockchain space. But it's good to know that there are those conferences out there that are so high quality, like the Texas Bitcoin conference was. So Yes. Well, and again, I, I would not have played. Uh, so Decred is big enough and is legit. Uh, it's a legit project. Been around for years at this point, right? I, I, it, I, I truly believe in the crypto space and in where we're heading with this. And, you know, having actually some of these elements show up, uh, while not unexpected, it is, you know, annoying and unfun. Right. You just need to avoid them. Definitely. Well, Marco and Clarissa, it has been a real pleasure. Um, I think, you know, we're going to have to, we're running low on time. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us today. To learn more about Decred and what the team is doing, you can find information in the show notes. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time and want to show me some love, please leave a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00 or on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. See you next time.